Yes. So for the first sermon that we're looking at is from uh, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and helper who can always be found in times of trouble. That is why we will not fear when the earth dissolves and when the mountains tumble into the heart of the sea. Its waters roar and form. The mountains quake when it rises. There is a river. Its streams bring joy to the city of God, to the holy dwelling of the Most High. God is in her. She will not fall. God will help her at daybreak. Nations are in turmoil. Kingdoms fall. God raises his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is a fortress for us. Come look at the works of the Lord. What a wasteland he has made of the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He shatters the bow. He cuts up the spear. He burns the carts with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So Pastor Dave Endorf preached this not just at, no, he did not preach it at his church. He did not, or did he preach it at his church, but not for Sunday morning? Not, no. No. So I, I preached this at the, the joint Reformation service we had at uh, Redeemer in Maple Grove because we're looking at doing some joint ministry. So we had that together. Uh, we also had a fantastic meal afterwards, which is uh, always a blessing and a gift. And so I, I started out by talking about uh, Jehoshaphat and uh, Jonah and the Philistines because the Israelites had a very troubled relationship with the, the sea. Uh, Jehoshaphat had a treasure fleet because he wanted to be like um, Solomon. But it got shipwrecked because uh, of, of his ties to idolatry. Jonah, of course, got thrown over the side of the boat because of the storm. And the, the Philistines, the sea peoples came from the ocean. And they had their, their fish-headed god, Dagon, who, whose temple uh, Samson destroyed. And so when... They, they talk, the psalmist, the sons of Korah talk about the mountains falling into the heart of the sea. You know, this is their, their fortress, their, their high place where they thought they could go and meet God falling into you know, the heart of their, their enemy. And it's the worst possible thing that could happen in their mind. You know, it's also why, why heaven is pictured as a place with a, a glassy sea. Um, in the, the book of Revelation. And, and he says that he can be uh, calm and have, have peace and, and a quiet heart at a time like that. Because our God is a mighty God, but how true is that? And that, that was my, my law portion. You know, we, we doubt God. We question God's rule in this world. And, and yet we're looking at this holy place because what the psalmist is really talking about is the end of the world. And we're going to stand before God and, and, and do we belong in this holy city where the most high dwells? And then I talked about, um, you know, he's not just the most high, he's the God of Jacob. 
and, and laid out what that means as far as the the plan of salvation. You know, that Jacob was just like us, doubting God, trying to, to work things out in his own way. But God still focused on heaven and getting people to eternal life and sent, you know, the line of the Savior through um, Judah and then, you know, David and Solomon and Jehoshaphat and, and then Jesus to die for our sins. And then uh, not just the God of Jacob and the line of the Savior, but also the God of armies. And, and that's what we look at on Reformation. And so you have, uh, you know, the spread of that gospel message to the ends of the earth with uh, God's rule in this world. And you, you have people like uh, Frederick, Frederick the Wise, who had his armies that protected Martin Luther, even though he was an outlaw. You know, he, he couldn't be taken and burned at the stake like previous reformers because God defended him with this earthly ruler. And then you had John the Steadfast who who still defended him. And, and even when those rulers or that army wasn't enough, you know, God used the Ottomans, the Turks, to to be a, an outside threat so that Luther was still defended and, and taken care of because he is the God of all armies, whether they're believing people or unbelievers. God is the ruler of everything, and they all serve his purpose. And then you have people like John Frederick, the magnanimous, who, um, who had to deal with Maurice, the betrayer, the traitor, um, and the bigamist. And uh, and and so you know that message has gone to the ends of the earth, and now we are God's dearly loved children. So when we stand at the that holy city, you know the name we have is not um you know is righteous and holy because of what Christ has done for us. You know, in in the work of Christ, but also in in spreading that gospel message to the ends of the earth. You know, we've been baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we belong in the city of the Most High. We are God's dearly loved and forgiven children, and that's what we celebrate, and that's why God is a mighty fortress. You brought a lot of good history in there. That was, um, well, it was a Reformation celebration. So I definitely would say, yeah, good job on that. Thanks. <clears throat> Although, um, I, also, I, oh, go on. Nope. I also meant that there's kind of a lot I left out of the, of the Psalm. Um, you know, I, and I, I didn't, I wanted to talk a little bit about the river that brings joy to the city of God. And, and it's, you know, talking about Zechariah 14 and, and the, the river that comes out of the, of Jerusalem there, that is the word of God, you know, that I, I didn't talk about, um, talking about why the, 
the city won't fall and the connection between the, the earthly Jerusalem and the heavenly Jerusalem and, and how, you know, the, the city of God here on earth is the church and the, the heavenly Jerusalem, you know, that we make that distinction here, you know, and we kind of forget that the kingdom of God is God's rule in our hearts by faith here and its fulfillment in heaven. Um, I didn't really talk about, you know, the the glory of God as he raises his voice and the earth melts and and what it means that God destroys everything that way and, and that we do look forward to that desolation because it gets rid of all of uh, us, the, the, <laughs> us <laughs> all of this world. You know, that this world is not something we hold on to. This world is not something to be grasped. That when we look at the desolations, that seems so out of place in this psalm, you know. But for the, the believer who understands that this world is truly broken by sin, you know, coming to look at the wasteland of this world when everything is laid bare by fire is a different way of looking at Judgment Day that that is positive, you know? Um, I didn't get to talk about what it means to be still and know that I am God, you know, that this is not an assignment of, of going to sit in the corner because you've been naughty. It's a, a, a piece of God's got it taken care of. And so as we live our lives, we get to be still and that's a, a blessing and a gift. Um, I also liked in your, in your beginning and, and um, mostly because when, when I've heard this Psalm, the things that come to my mind is just the upheaval, right? Um, where the mountains are are turned into the sea. And I, I think about the upheaval of that. I thought it was interesting in your sermon, how you brought it back down to the importance of water and that difference between those cultures, the cultural differences of, of how, you know, people inland dealt with mountainous type things and what their thoughts were of the mountains as opposed to the people of the sea and what their thoughts were of the sea and how, how these were not just the earthly upheaval, but this was a spiritual upheaval. I thought that was a really kind of a neat way of, of bringing that into the Psalm. Um, not, I mean, I found it very appropriate, but I thought it was kind of a neat, cause I think, like I said, my first approach is this is an, an elemental upheaval, right. Um, um, as opposed to the spiritual one that it is. So good job. I, I appreciate Thanks. that. Uh, but, and I, I think with Psalm, 121, too. I, I look to the, I lift up my eyes to the hills, you know, and where does my help come from? It comes from the maker of heaven and earth that, you know, it's the same kind of correction to the mind where, you no, know, my, my, my help doesn't come from the high places. My, my help comes from God. And yeah. And then the other thing is I can't imagine being a son of Korah, you know, and Korah's rebellion. And and having that focus on heaven that makes you look back at your ancestor and say, you screwed up and and I'm kind of completely disowning you for it because I'm still going to worship in the temple that, you know, Moses and Aaron are responsible for. Sure. You know, that you rebelled against. 
But it proves that, you know, the God's grace circumvents even those sins, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But it also, I think, in, in what makes it beautiful is when we approach the Psalms, sometimes um, we don't contextualize that these Psalms are written with the backbone of of the religiosity of the day. And and that's what I, like I said, I appreciated in, in the way that you approached the sermon is you brought the religiosity of the day into the text, um, you know, because we, we sometimes kind of gloss over those things and we're like, well, that's flowery speech or that's whatever the case may be. But, but to say, no, you know, you have a, you have people that are no different than us that think I go to this place to worship because I have to, because that's where he is. Um, or, or we start linking places to where, well, God is, I'm closer to God. We say that, so we still say that today, um, where people will go out to the the wilderness, they'll go up to mountains and they'll take those pictures of the vistas of the sun rising and they'll say, I feel closer to God, right? That's mm-hmm. that, that same idea. Um, you know, the, the same ideas that were going around in the ancients heads um, when they were uh, thinking about worship and thinking about their religions are the same things that we're doing now. And, and to bring that into the Psalm and to say, the problem is, is our God is so much greater than the hill that you think he's on. And he's so much greater than the depth of the sea that you are afraid of because it's so dark. Um, and everything may be ro- raging and foaming and roaring and going to pot, but our God's above it. And that's, that's pretty neat to bring that into perspective. Thanks. And, and I don't know about, the experience you two have had, but I, I think for me, the most frustrating experience for funerals is is in dealing with people who are spiritual, but not religious. Because what? You have those the... two? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> you know, because they want those emotional feelings, but they have nothing to base them on. Right. No you know, and so they want you to give them some kind of an emotional experience and and usually that emotional experience that that emotional experience that you that they're looking for is one of mourning they want they want to they want to feel the sorrow um as if that's what to that that's what they'll cling to um or they want to be told the platitudes right um our loved one is looking down on us from heaven and then you burst that mm-hmm. bubble and say, well, you know, when you're at your very worst and you've said the very hurtful things that you know you shouldn't have said, yeah, they're watching that too. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That's that's a joyous occasion um, when, <laughs> you know, you pocketed a 20 from your neighbor um, uh, right out of their purse because it was hanging there. Uh, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. Those are fun times. And they want a sermon that's all about their... Yeah, loved one and and says nothing about Jesus. And, you know, I I know what you want, but you have come to the wrong spot and I do not work for you. And yeah, this hill serves only one God. Yeah. And he's there at this hill. Go to another. (laughs) Yeah, it's good stuff. I like it. Good reformation. Thanks. All right, so for some reason, this is not 
The next text that we're looking at today is the gospel lesson for the Reformation. Matthew ten sixteen to 23. Look, I am sending you as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on guard against people. They will hand you over to councils, and they will whip you in their synagogues. You will be brought into the presence of governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Whenever they hand you over, do not be worried about how you will respond or what you will say, because what you say will be given to you in that hour. In fact, it will not be... In fact, you will not be the one speaking, but the Spirit of our Father will be speaking through you. Brother will hand over his brother to death, and a father will do the same for his child. Children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all people because of my name, but whoever endures to the end will be saved. And and when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. Amen, I tell you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So, Will Harley, your your sermon was not on YouTube, so I couldn't listen to it or watch it or do anything. Yeah, we had some issues with that, and I'm, that's on my agenda today. But, uh, no, we shared the same, um, and, and maybe this is God's way of saying we didn't need two people preaching the same sermon theme. Um, um, I think we shared the same sermon theme taken right from the text. Um, my sermon theme was, you will not finish. Um, that was my, my reformation celebration sermon theme. And, um, I kind of just started it out, you know, just letting everyone know we like, we like end dates. Um, yes, if you go into the grocery store, nothing can be there without an expiration date. Um, we, we, we like to know when things are done. Um, we like to know when, when things have to be used by, we like to know when, when we can be done with our effort and, and call it quits and say, okay, that job is, is over and we move on to something else. And um, <clears throat> I said, because of our, uh, you know, our sinful nature, our sinful nature, you know, likes us to participate in certain things and then says, okay, well, you're done. You've done your, your part. Now you can move on. And uh, I went from there into saying, if that's what you'd like, and if that's what you're expecting, and, and, and if that's the kind of thing you gravitate to, you're going to be very disappointed in what Jesus has to say today, because Jesus says, you will not finish. Um, there is no expiration date. And I went from there to, to going back into the text and saying, you know, this is, this is Jesus. He's getting ready to send out his disciples. He's getting ready to, to let them know what is coming. Um, and what he tells them is things we don't like to hear. And that is that they are going to be sheep among wolves. And it's, it's not as if you're going to be sheep among other sheep thrown in with a couple of wolves. It is, you are going to be a sheep among everyone's against you. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. You are, you are going to be the lone person that everyone will hate. And I said, and um, you're going to be called to be that. And, and you're going to be called to be different from them. And you're going to want to have a time when there's an end date. You're going to want to have a time when you're going to say, when is this going to be done? And, and I have, I have, I've, I'm now in a pasture with many sheep instead of wolves. And um, Jesus says that, it will never happen. It will never be finished. Um, and I went from there to just kind of rehashing, you know, in, in this pasture filled with wolves, you know, you're called to be 
a serpent. You're called to be shrewd. Think like them, not devious and, and backstab, but to think like the serpent. You know, you know, flee when you need to flee. You know, and and don't take that as a as a bad thing. Learn to pick your battles. Um, you know, not everything is a hill to die on. Not everything is something that you need to comment on. Sometimes it is just enough to warn and then back away. Um, which is which is what a serpent will do to be innocent as doves to to not be the one to start the fight not to be the one to to call them out not to be the one to to say you know um i don't agree with you and i'm going to debate this just to win a debate or win an argument but but to be when when push comes to shove then the serpent will strike right but otherwise it would rather back off it'll warn it will it'll say don't and and then it will try to escape and and that's what we're called to be but recognize that in this world, that's not always how it will be, that, that we will be brought before our councils. And I said, and some of those councils may be in church and some of those councils may be in our community. And some of those, some of the, the, the people we have to stand against are going to be our neighbors and they're going to be the people that we thought we could trust and the people that, that we thought were, were having our back. And I said, and they're going to, to bring us up on the charge of grace and the charge of forgiveness because we are preaching something contrary to what the world desires because the desire of the world is for all of us to be these ravenous wolves. The desire for the world is for all of us to do our own thing and to fight and to, to, to scrape for everything. And, and we come with a message that says, no, the message of this is, this is bad behavior. And yet there's also redemption from it and there's forgiveness from it. And there is, there's a savior who has died for you and has taken all of these things on himself so that you don't have to carry them. And, um, this is our job. And I said, and, and when you're in these positions and, um, maybe it's even your family that'll be against you and maybe it'll be your children that'll turn on you and you don't know what to say and you don't know how to, how to respond. And I said, it is, it is the Lord who will never leave you alone who will be there, and he will be giving you the words to speak. And, of course, I was drawing it back. You know, this is not drawing on an empty well. You know, this is, this is being drawn on as he continues to feed you with his word, continues to build you up, um, continues to do this work here among you. And I said, um, and so if you think that there's an expiration date on serving in gospel ministry, I said, it's not. I said, if you are maybe in your 70s or your 80s or your 90s and you're looking at opportunities in the church and you're saying, well, the younger people, that's their time to stand up and do these things. The Lord is never saying there's a time for the young to stand and the old to just retire. I said, this is, this. you're never finished. You're never finished until the good Lord calls you and says, well done, good and faithful servant, when you are standing before his throne. I said, um, until then, we ask that the Lord keep us brave and strong and true um, to stand and, and serve where we need to serve and to do the things we need to do um, in this world because we are these sheep and our job is never done. Um, and I, I I did reference lightly back to the Reformation and, and um, you know, Luther did these things and it was hard. Um, and Luther preserved his, uh, preserved the word because it needed to be preserved and he was placed there to do that work. And I said, and, and the message was simple. And I said, the message of the church that we preserve today is simple and yet so offensive um, by grace alone, right? Scripture alone, faith alone, Christ alone to the glory of God alone, not you, <laughs> not your glory um, and that battle never ends. 
and and that I kind of wrapped it all up together saying, you know, and, and we can't do this alone. I said, we can't do this alone, but with Christ alone, we can, and in Christ we can, and we have the strength because he has given us the strength and we forgive because he forgives and we love because he first loved and, and, and we can continue because he continues. And I, and then I made one connection. I said, I said that same word that that tell us um, in Greek, where he says, um, "You will not finish." He uses the word "tell us." I said it's the same same connecting word that Jesus speaks over you on the cross when he says, "To tell us thy, it is finished." Um, I said his work for you has finished, and that you are in him and saved in him and are um, have eternal life in him. And I said. But until that comes into its fullness, we will not be done. And that was kind of where I ended it. Um, so there was a lot that I did not necessarily talk about in, in all the ways. I, I really focused on that it, it's not done. Um, you're never going to have a moment to reprieve, that this is not a, not a time of, of uh, we're in heaven, but this is the not yet. So... That was yeah. where I went. So I, 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 good, bad, or indifferent. I don't know. I like the uh, concept of you're not. We want things to end. We want the Reformation to be something about that happened in the past. That it's not something we have to worry about now because we've we've accomplished that. That that's done. And uh, it's always a reminder of that uh, Latin phrase, "Ecclesia semper reformanda est." Or the church is always being reformed or is is reforming because our hearts are always straying and going back to works and reliance on works and what we do for God rather than what he does for us. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, my, my, and I'll be honest with that, this reformation focus, my, we were having a voters meeting right afterwards that was um, going to be calling new council members um, to prepare them for the next year and the journey of trying to get those council members and how many people had said no, um, when, when approached with the opportunity to serve on the council in different areas. And they're like, Nope, I'm not, or, or I've already done that. I put in my time. Um, and so I, 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 I will admit my sermon took on a lot of the nature of, um, no, there is not an, ex there's not an expiration date on this. There, there's not a, I've, I've done my time and, and now this is over. Um, that this is until you're, until the Lord takes you, you're not done and and we won't be. <laughs> so, um, and that, that was kind of where that focus came from. Your specific call as a member of the council may be done, but not the call of our Lord Jesus into the gospel ministry. The collective gospel ministry is not done. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep, there's never a time you can sit back on your laurels in the church and say, well, that was good. Um, there's, you know, whew, I made it through that one. <laughs> you know, it's, you're always in the breach. So, yeah. So well, uh, and going back to an earlier part of your sermon, I, I appreciated what you said about picking your battles, because I, I think that's something I've always struggled with. I always want to. I always want to pick every battle and that's yeah. not actually picking your battles. Yeah. You, 
You know, that's interesting that, that, that whole idea of being shrewd as snakes, right. Um, and, and you can find tons and tons of people who give tons of different ideas of what that means. But, but one of the things that a snake will do, even, even the venomous ones, you know, they don't want to fight. They, they, they don't, um, <clears throat> they don't seek you out and say, I'm going to hunt you down. Um, you know, they're, they're doing their thing and you get close to them and they warn you and, and they oh, don't, yeah. they won't do anything to you until you, you push them and you got to push them pretty hard. Um, for for a snake to really retaliate against you got to push them pretty hard um and so that 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 brought up my in my head it's like you know every in and maybe it came from podcasts that i was listening to this last week as well when i was preparing it's like everything you listen to it's like everyone wants a debate they want to debate about everything and it's like we're gonna have a debate about you know believers against unbelievers atheists against against uh deists or atheists against christians and, and it's like that a debate wins nothing you're fighting a you're fighting a battle again there's some maybe good points being made but you've not won anything because you're fighting and and this isn't being true to snakes snakes the warn but they're not gonna they're gonna they're not gonna come out at you unless you push them um and and i think as christians we need to, to do that too um it made me believe and i didn't say it in the sermon and i wish i would have um Afterwards, I, I kind of kicked myself for not saying it. The idea that Christianity does not have, we, we do not bear the burden of proof. I, I kind of wanted to say that, that, that we do not bear the burden of proof. But we bear the burden of proclamation. We bear the burden of proclamation. Yeah. I don't have to prove what I believe and why. Um, I, I proclaim, I, I carry the burden of proclamation, but, but not the burden of proof. And, and I would say we do mean that slightly differently from the way an, an atheist would take that, but absolutely. Yeah. I, I think the other place I would apply this is when people pit fellowship against outreach that, you know, they misunderstand fellowship and outreach, you know, because they're, they're, they don't, they aren't opposed to each other. You know, we're not doing outreach when we're trying to, trying to get that, you know, reformed person into our church. You know, that's not outreach, really. No. You know. No. Outreach um, is going to the people who've never heard about Christ and, and sharing Christ with them. Yeah. And, and that's that's what you know when you brought up that point about picking your battles that's one of the things that came to mind is you know that's you got plenty of other villages and towns to go through you're not finished yet go find somebody who hasn't heard go right. find somebody who doesn't have a church go go reach out to them you know that's not a battle you have to fight you know talk why bring neighbor. that into the congregation talk to your neighbor i bet you there's one yeah <laughs> They're not hard to find. Yeah. No kidding. Instead of opening up your garage door, pulling your car in and then shutting the garage door before you get out, maybe park on the outside of your garage door and say hi to your neighbor and start a conversation. I bet you you'll find one there. Uh, yeah. Sorry for interrupting you, Dave, Pastor Rudot. Now you can hear how the sermon was really supposed to be preached. No, this is not an award show. <laughs> 
I will if it say was? That, I will say that till I'm blue in the face. And if you guys keep insisting that it has to be an award show, then then you guys can do the award show, and I'll do something else. Uh, I had the same text. Uh, will and I did the text together, studied together, and no, most, but it's like it's like Blue the movie. Like what? Go on. Nope. Go on. It's fine. <laughs> so. <clears throat> I had the, uh, uh, we studied the text together, so oftentimes we'll borrow each other's uh, sermon themes and thoughts. And I also did, had the thought of, you are not finished. And the thread that I had through was not the, we want things to end, which I thought was a good thread. That's a good way to do it. But the thread was, uh, Jesus is engaging in two conversations at the same time. So I prefaced it by saying, in my house, because of my mechanical ears, we can't have two conversations at the at the dinner table or at the breakfast table at the same time because that just won't won't happen in my house. So the kids have that standing rule of there can only be one person talking at a time. Jesus has two conversations. He is talking to his disciples when he sends out the 12, and he's also talking to his disciples when he is sending them out after the ascension and Pentecost. So you have you know Easter eggs in there about going before kings, which the disciples didn't go before kings before um, before Jesus ascended and before the Holy Spirit was given to them at Pentecost. The Easter egg of going before Gentiles, which uh, was not predominantly their focus when he sent out the twelve, it was to go to the lost sheep of Israel. So that was the that was the thread that tied everything together. Uh, and so because of that, then you could also you could really make the connection because the work isn't finished. These words also apply to us because Jesus has not come again. So Jesus has not come again in verse uh, in verse uh, 23 when he talks about the one of the, before the Son of Man comes. You can talk about that in terms of, first of all, Jesus coming through his suffering, death, and, resu- and physical resurrection on Easter, but also his coming at the end of time. And you could talk about the cities of Israel in terms of the twelve, uh, the first trip that the twelve had to take, and also the uh, when Jesus adds to that Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And my law was we th- we don't want to be done. I, I'm sorry, my law says that we think we can be finished, or we don't even want to start because it's too hard. And uh, sharing the gospel is too hard today, and so that was the law. Um, and. And then the reminder that we have a sinful nature that doesn't want us to preach the gospel and talk to other people about Jesus because then that would actually um, serve somebody else instead of serving us. Um, gospel, of course, is that Jesus um, uh, still is equipping us and empowering us to do these things. Jesus has suffered and died for us for all the times we didn't share the word. Um, and then he equips us. So then I the, I, the gospel nugget that I had them hold on to was when he says be like be on guard be a shrewd a snake um the um these are words where jesus is using the gnosko the um or, or, i'm sorry i mean verbs of genesis chapter one the greek version of that let there be god create jesus creates and then there is and i liked in the sermon to say you are shrewd as snakes you are innocent as doves, and then explain what that means because I didn't want to make it seem like, well, if you learn what it means to be shrewd as snake, and if you learn what it means to be as innocent as, as a dove, then therefore then you can be. I just wanted them to say, you are. You wanted them to hear, this is what you have because Jesus has declared it in his word, and now let me explain what that means. And then we talked about um, 
knowing when to say what to say, like the snake is is being deliberate. You can think of also being innocent as doves. We talked about uh, watching yourself and your doctrine closely. It doesn't give you a, a reason to lie or deceive or manipulate, but um, be innocent as a dove. But then also, what does a dove have? I mean, it doesn't have any swords on it. It doesn't have any weapons on it. It is a dove. It's a, a comforting message. And then we think of what harm can words do? They're just words. And then the um, part that I really enjoyed was saying the, the connection of what harm can words do, and then the next word is, well, start a reformation for one. And then that was my, I liked having those two together. And then I talked about the reformation, talked about the gospel ministry there, the work wasn't done there, the gospel was buried under the focus on uh, what we do for God rather than what God has done for us. And then also I did bring in pietism without using the word pietism. I just said the work wasn't done after Luther died because it would come right back into the Lutheran church where people were looking at themselves and their obedience or trying to sniff out who was obedient amongst them. Uh, So that was that part. Uh, The work wasn't being done, but God has declared us uh, through Jesus, through these words of Jesus, that we have these things. He has um, not only just, not only has he declared these things, but he has also put his name on us. And we talked about the, because of the name of Christ, because of everything we know about Christ, people are going to persecute you, but then that will also enable you to endure till the end. So there's a lot of, a lot of reminding God's people that even though as Jesus has these commands in this section, it isn't just Jesus saying, good luck with that but rather Jesus empowering, saying, these are things you are because of me. Good way to go. I like that. I like that. And the because of me, the, that we had talked about that in the text study. That's the the underlining. You know, you're not just a jerk because that that's not what he's saying. So, no, but because and, of me. And I would, I would pick up on something you started with that, that's why this isn't an awards show because you know of the power of god that nothing we do is is anywhere significant enough to compare to what the holy spirit does through the means of grace and that that's so it's not worth mentioning and and that's not just for us but that's for the listeners too that yeah we get to be pastors and that's awesome but god works through his word and, and everybody has that. And and so everybody who, who hears this and everybody who hears the word has that same power, you know, the gospel message, the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. And so, you know, that's an awesome and an amazing thing. And so we may joke about awards, but what we do is insignificant and it is the power of the God and it is the work of the Holy spirit that really matters. And I appreciate that you brought that out in your sermon. I think that's really nice. Yeah. It was nice to talk about the triune God part of it because sometimes we feel like we are so alone where Jesus is, is saying you're speaking the words of the, the Holy spirit, but you're also speaking the words of the father and, and the word, which is me. And so you've got this, you're not alone. So when I brought up the Diet of Worms, when Je- when Luther was sitting there thinking he was all alone, but the gospel ministry was at stake, God gave him the words to say. But then I said, I don't want to be overly dramatic, like as if that's the only time the Holy Spirit is activated. 
but he is activated when you are talking with your kids about Jesus and what Jesus has done for you. When you're sitting there at the bar stool with your friend who thinks that uh, everyone has left them and they're abandoned, you can remind them the triune God has not abandoned you, and you can have the assurance that the triune God stand behind you in the words you say as you proclaim Christ and his name to your neighbor. Agreed. Yeah, that was a, that's a beautiful way to think about it and to be reminded which is the point of the Reformation, right? The point of the Reformation is, you know, it wasn't just an entity or a certain person that had the abilities to do certain things. It was God's word, and God's word is here for you. So, This has probably been one of my most, what would you say, enjoyable texts to preach on a Reformation day. Uh, sometimes when you do the Romans texts, which are good texts, you, maybe this is just me, but you fall into... Um, this is what happened in the past. This is a battle that happened in the past, and we should remember why this battle is important all the time. And this text from Jesus reminds us that it's a battle that continues because the work isn't finished. Yeah, I think that the, the Roman text usually, a lot of what, what Paul will write is very scholastic. So you, you take it from a more scholastic type of um, framework, whereas Jesus is, you know, you almost envision Jesus at this time just bringing it up in normal conversation as he's getting them ready to to descend out. And he's like, and by the way, you know, um, this is really going to suck. <laughs> Let me tell you how much. <laughs> um, but don't worry. I mean, don't 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 get bent out of shape about it. It's it's fine. I, I got it covered. I got you covered. Um, you're in me. And, and this is this is bound to happen. But you almost you get that personal nature of of that conversation, which yeah. makes it yeah. fun to preach. Yeah, especially since right after this, he's going to hear about John in prison, and yep. you go. So the optimism that Jesus has is really kind of fun to preach in the midst of all this opposition, in the midst of the opposition that Martin Luther faced, that Lutherans face, that we face, that our people face. Yeah. Yeah. And even in the midst of that, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, and, and, and maybe this, and neither of us necessarily brought this out, but just interesting how it is. Um, he starts off the whole entire conversation. You're going to be sheep, right? Um, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. Um, but your first inclination is to hear the next words and you're going to be torn up. But he, the, the whole entire thing afterwards is assuming you're not. You, you're still sheep among wolves and you're fine. <laughs> I mean, there's the assumption, you know, you're fine. And, and that, I, that, is a, that is a neat I, that is a neat concept that could have been played with too in the text is, is that you're, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves and through the entire thing, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Because of his name, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because of his name. You're fine. Yeah. It's not going to be fun, yep. but you're going to be fine. Well, and, and, and that, and you, that could have been a sermon theme too. It's not going to be fun, but you'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's, those are some beautiful ways to approach the text as well. So. 
I, and if I would have gone that way and I actually, I had it, I saved it on my computer and on my searching and I was just debating what to go, uh, which way to go. I did find an AI generated picture of a wolf standing on like a little ledge and then a um, whole field of wolves with a, with a shepherd watching over them. <laughs> and I'm like, that was a great picture. <laughs> I don't know how you get into the sermon though. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but it was it was a neat little picture to see you know this one lone sheep in a in a sh- in a pasture full of wolves with a shepherd. So, all right, folks, I don't have any other words to say that other than it was good uh, sharing God's word with you guys and hearing how you t- applied God's word in the Reformation, and it's a good reminder to us that our work on Reformation is not done that the time that god has called us to live in is now and not in the past and not in the future but now and let us uh recognize that the rivers of of comfort that come to us as pastors and as individuals come to us from his word and sacrament and uh the lord is still the lord of the church is still watching over all things for our good and he is still our refuge and our fortress